This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, Dreamers, and welcome to episode 122 of the Dreamers Disease podcast with me, Alex Manzi. And after going through my own battles with depression and anxiety, I basically wanted to create this platform to help inspire you to make a positive change in your life because I felt like it was something that I needed at the time. And as I kind of got through my own battles, I wanted to create something that I knew people could turn to and find that little bit of inspiration in. So on this week's episode, I am joined by a very good friend of mine and the amazing singer-songwriter, Sinead Harnett. And Sinead is literally one of my favorite people as we grew up in the same area of North London. And because of that, I've been very, very lucky to witness the growth of her career from where she started to where she is today and I love how she always brings such a good kind of open energy to her music and during this conversation we spoke about her experience on tour in America building up your own confidence both of our lessons in love and why self-love is so important and I was like wow what, what does this say about me was even though there's pain on the album even though there's examples of like really really sad times that I've had the greatest lesson is learning to love myself so before we jump into the episode i just want to thank you for being here for listening please make sure you hit subscribe on itunes or wherever you're listening right now and also be sure to leave a five-star review on itunes because it really helps spread the message of the podcast it helps it bump up the charts which helps other people discover the podcast which helps other people get their inspiration and hear the positive messages in these conversations which is super important and also, I'd just like to say that I'm currently looking for someone to help me with the video editing of the podcast. As, as you know, I put the videos up on YouTube. I also cut some videos for social media for my own Instagram, IGTV and things like that. And I'm looking for someone to help me. It's paid work. So I'm looking for someone with experience in editing to help me and step in and kind of take on a couple of the videos and the, the recent episodes that I've, I've uh, recorded so if that is you or if you know someone who you think would be interested then get them to email me at alex at thedreamersdisease.co.uk with the email title of just video help or editing help It'd be super helpful because i've got a lot to do and it's just it frees up a bit of my time and allows me to put more energy into like the recordings and the interviews and the research to make the episodes as best as possible so if you do know someone who is willing to help with the editing or you can do it yourself then hit me up on that email address as given above but right now let's jump straight in and hear Sinead's story so hello and a big welcome to the lovely Sinead Harnett. Hi. How's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? I am very well. It's always awkward doing that because we've been chatting for like 20 minutes already. And we've known each other for a long time. Exactly. Yeah. So, so on that, so to put context on that, we grew up in the same area, North London. You went to a girls school. I went to a boys school, but we had, we didn't know each other in school, but we had mutual friends. Yeah. And then... I was so desperate to know some boys. Yeah. <laughs> Being you met, all girls. Met, yeah, likewise. And then, yeah, we just, we, we crossed paths again through your music and through like my music blog. And yeah, then, then that was it. And then we're mates. Was it? Mozzie. And Moz. Shout Mozzatron. out Moz. <laughs> exactly. Shout out Moz. Um, so although I've just given it away a little bit, can you just let the listeners know a bit about who you are and what you do? So I'm a girl from North London. Uh, born to a Thai mother, Irish dad. There was a piano in my house um, when I was growing up. It like got given to us for some reason. And it was just me, my mum and my sister that lived together. So this piano became like my hobby. And I obviously was obsessed with singing. And then went to uni. Was like, you know, I need to 
to get some qualifications just because it was like embedded in my brain and then I did that which was acting actually so I was still having a good time um even though it's hard work and then music just luckily became my job and like I was always writing and recording like in between visiting home and being back at uni yeah so yeah and I did it professionally yeah amazing I was a singing waitress at one point no where at uni yeah I was like serving it was an American diner, so I'd serve like, I don't know, like a all day breakfast vibe or like pancakes. Yeah. And then I'd be like, walk on by. And it was just, yeah, it was weird. Sometimes people <laughs> would watch, other times they'd be like, why is the waitress now singing? Like, I'm just trying to eat. Is it like uh, Monica and Friends when she does that job in that diner and it's a singing, yeah. singing waitress job? Yeah, a, a little bit. That's my middle name as well. Is it? Yeah. Oh, go. <laughs> nice little link. Um, but yeah, so you, you've just come back from a tour, right? In North America. Yes. How's that? Because what's it like from being someone who's grown up with a passion for music to like writing your own music to then having people like literally on the other side of the world, like resonate so much with that, that they want to come and see you perform live. Um, for, for the entire tour, there was 10 dates and like every single show didn't get less mad yeah because of that and like I talked to them obviously during the set and I was like you don't understand what it means to me to be from a little place in north like north London and for you guys to all be here tonight and they would scream and I think just because people relate to having this like passion or dream and then when it when you get to do it and it's met Mm. it's like so yeah it was it was incredible it was a lot of hard work yeah <laughs> it was mad the schedule was crazy but um it was really good how do you keep yourself in check through that like because i always like i've done so i've been on tour with moz and jay who are mutual friends and i was literally did like three days and it was like the most intense three days ever like two different three different countries yeah and i was like exhausted like so doing that for 10 days on your own tour when you've got a, like i didn't even have to perform like when you've got to perform every night like how do you yeah, how do you keep yourself in check in terms of like making sure that you're turning up like as best as you can every night, make sure you're getting rest or I don't know, like that kind of vibe, you know? Um, the schedule was like for the first five cities we were in California. So the the venues were not in like geographical order. It was like one day was in LA. Then the next one was San Fran, which is like an eight hour drive then back up to near LA and Santa Ana. And so it was like darted around. So you sort of wake up, do the long drive, get to the place, do the sound check. And obviously these people that are doing the sound are just people that work there. They're not like people that know my music. Yeah. So every sound check was like quite an upward mountain, (laughs) uphill mountain. Um, And then I do like a meet and greet and then I'd get ready and I'd do the show and there's no time to do anything but be switched on and like be, I guess, your best performing self. Mm. Um, And I think how you get through it is you just remember how lucky you are and what a privilege it is Mm. to get to do that. And also I was like, this is my first tour. I don't know when the next one's going to be. I need to soak it all up. And um, I would get as much sleep as I could. Like I would be sleeping on that coach. Well, it wasn't a coach. It was a splitter van to like the next place and 
you know, I wasn't partying at all because I wanted, I need to save my voice. Yeah, of course. Like 10 shows is quite intense. And I, I try and like take it there. Like I try and go to church <laughs> in the set. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I had to like just self-care yeah. really. That's it. And it, like, and I've been to like one of your live shows and they're like, it's sick because you do go like in with the vocals and you are quite interactive with the crowd and you are, you make it feel like it's not a show, like it's an inclusive environment which is amazing but like you said it's performance yeah for like 10 days i don't know if it was 10 days in a row or over the course of two weeks but it's still there's that intensity level to it and yeah. it must be quite like, exhausting like, I, I would be exhausted i'm exhausted thinking about it you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? yeah by the end i was i wasn't myself mm. i was really really um shattered and like i was it, it had become quite isolating because you are just, you're with your band, of course, and the TM and like this guy, Tyler, that was driving us around. And then there was another guy called Christian. So you're with your colleagues, but you're constantly confined, like mm. in the splitter. Then you get to the venue, it's the four walls of the venue. I think the most nature that I got, which actually like calms me down and makes me feel at peace was probably San Diego. Cause we had two days there, it was yeah. sunny. For the rest of the tour, it was like, it was mad. It's like, it's it's the nicest prison being on tour. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't really get much time to yourself or outside. So, um, yeah, by the end of it, it, I really needed a lot of time to adjust. I wasn't really ready to see anyone and like mm. loads of people flew out. My boyfriend, my cousin, like my mom and... Yeah, it's just, it was a lot. What's, what's the first thing you did when you came home then? Well, so the last show was in New York and um, the sound guy actually hadn't turned the mic on. So I came out and I did my big like dramatic walk <laughs> and then I started singing and nothing came out. And that was really hard to be the finale show because yeah. obviously we as a band had like got this so tight and, you know, I just learned you get what you're given and you just have to make it as good as possible. So I then spent four days in New York and then I flew home. And so I was sort of semi working in New York. There's like mm. meetings to do. And then when I got back here, I launched straight back into work. Um, so I don't really know how, what what's the first thing. The first thing I've done is worked. Um, <laughs> but I've also cooked for myself yeah. and like, you know, like when you just want to nest and like have a bath. I've got mm. to do all of those things now. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. What's your, what's your, cause I'm like big into like self-care routines, right? So I'm into like my exercise, my meditation, my yoga. Um, you know, there's other things that fall into that, but they're, they're the kind of main three things that I was like, when I'm here, when I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm home a lot, but like when I'm here and I'm busy, I try and make sure I fit them all into like, cause I know that, if I can do all of those things, I know that I can show up as good as possible in all, every other area. They're yeah. like my, like, uh, like non-negotiables. Like, what are yours when you're home? You're great. That's amazing. What? I mean, I'm not a guru or like the Dalai Lama, but I try to do them <laughs> as much as possible. You know. No, that's that's a really incredible example to all of us. Um, non-negotiables being the important phrase. Um, my routine is similar to yours, obviously. I can't always tend to it as perfectly as I'd like to. Mm. Some weeks are busier than others. Of course. Some, obviously I'm not at home at all. 
um, I got into this phase for a while where every Monday morning I'd, you'd, I'd use Headspace, yeah. the app, and then I'd like open the curtains and like speak to the universe and be like, what do I want to achieve this week? What do I, what am I grateful that I achieved last week? And what do I want for the rest of this year? Mm. Um, that's fallen off a little bit just because Monday sometimes... I might have gotten in late from the studio on a Sunday, so <laughs> it yeah. might not always happen. But generally, meditation, um, I really enjoy cooking for myself because I know what's in the food. Mm. I was telling you earlier, I've recently cut out meat, so like I'm getting more creative with cooking because you have to. Yeah. You don't want to eat lentils every day. Um, <laughs> and even though I'm always thinking about work, I try to see my friends and family like as much as possible because I feel like being balanced is what we all are chasing but it's just hard to do it so you really have to make the time um yeah meditation seeing friends and fam and like just chilling I feel like staying in is so underrated oh it's, that's a massive self-care thing 100%, like, 100%. I, like most of my Fridays are at home these days like watching a film yeah like that that to me is like a blissful moment it is so blissful it's almost like my happy place i'd say yeah. like definitely just switch off like don't think about work and just put the put a tv on put a film yeah. on or a program and just sit there and just like unwind yeah do you know what i mean um, i also find it like really interesting how you were just saying like about trying to keep the balance like it's, i find it massively fascinating how the things that we know are good for us are always the things that are the first thing to fall out the window when we're busy yeah like they're the first things that we park yeah it's just like just find it mad it's like why why would you why why have we got ourselves into a mindset where we think that's acceptable it's like oh i'm really busy i can't do my yoga or my meditation or yeah but ultimately that's the thing that's good for you i get into a bit of a pattern where i will choose extra sleep mm. over the self-care stuff because I feel like if I get ill yeah like my job is my voice mm. so it's really hard like if I'm ill to do that yeah. so I even on tour like I made the excuse when I was waking up at like 10 or 11 which generally at home I really don't like doing because it doesn't make me feel like I've seized the day yeah but yeah on tour like I'd wake up later and I'd be like you need that for your voice mm. so yeah, it is interesting as like we're both creative people how you'll always put work things first and like it is hard to make time for self-care because it's, you know, we want to put the people we love above everything as well. So, yeah, maybe we need to like book ourselves massages more or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I go to physio like regularly, like mm -hmm. every two weeks and sometimes it's to treat something like some niggle I might feel in my back or mm -hmm. like some tension I might have in my hip but more often than not I just like I'll go and just be like yeah can you just like just loosen up my legs like <laughs> just give me like a sports massage on my legs just because oh, it's yeah. like it ultimately it feels good yeah and because like I said I exercise quite a lot like I'm or when you're sitting down you're putting quite a lot of pressure on your legs without realizing mm -hmm. it so it's just nice to like have that it's a bit of again it's a bit of like a a kind of like mindfulness moment for me yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you're just in the zone, just like, yeah, this feels good, even though it's like killing me. Whenever I've booked myself a massage, it's funny, I do find myself thinking for the first like 20 minutes. 
a lot of the thoughts are, oh no, this is so good. I don't want this <laughs> to end. <laughs> and then like things like, oh, is this enough tension? And like, yeah. I can definitely see my thoughts way clearer because I'm like in a dark room and I am purposefully making the time mm. for me. It's almost like the thoughts are the, the other way to torture you so you don't fully get the self-care. It's yeah. hilarious. But then by like the last half an hour... I'm like, I'm really pleased I did this. Yeah. Like, this is the only time that I'm not at the computer, like sorting out admin or at the microphone trying to do a good ad lib mm. or on my notepad trying to write the best lyric. So yeah, that's something. When you book time for yourself, I think it's so much easier to to do the self-care. It's yeah. just when, when work gets on top, it's pretty tough. Yeah, 100%. To keep that up. And that's, again, it goes back to that's why it's important. That's why I call them non-negotiables because yeah. it's like, that's how they should be. For like sure. if I'm running late for work, I am still 100% going to find time for my meditation or yeah. do you know what I mean? Or I'll just get up a bit earlier to go to the gym because mm -hmm. I know that if I've got a bit of work a bit earlier, yeah. I have to do that a bit earlier. Like it's, it's just Are how Are you I... familiar with Lizzo? Yeah. So one of her um, like sayings or quotes in her shows, she says, if you can love me, you can love you. Mm. And I feel but you like... Can't, you can't... I, I can't love you unless I love me. No, she's like, if you love me, Lizzo, yeah. if you can love me, the woman I am on this stage, like all the hardship I've been through, yeah. you can love you. Yeah. Like you've bought tickets to see me. So, you know, spend that money on you sometimes yeah, kind yeah. of thing. I think similarly, I wouldn't say to my sister or my other sister, do you know what? Don't have that bath tonight. You need to do more work. Yeah, exactly. Like we need to treat ourselves how we would treat our loved ones, but it's very easy for us to put ourselves on the back burner just because I feel like naturally as, as human beings, like we're striving for more all the time. Like for me, I'm like, how can I write better songs? How can I engage fans more deeply? But actually sometimes that can just be too like too much chaos yeah. from trying so hard that you need to like rein yourself in sometimes yeah. and think how would I talk to my sister or my boyfriend about this I wouldn't make them do that so I shouldn't make myself that's that's a very good way of looking at it because mm. I always I always see it for me like what works really well is connecting myself to the present as much as possible mm -hmm. so if I'm thinking about, oh, I need to do that thing for next week to do this, then I'm not really being that present sure. with what's right in front of me. And I can get distracted so easily that like I'll start one thing and then I go, oh, wait, I've got to do this thing. And then I'll start doing the other thing and then I'll jump to like a completely different thing. Yeah. And then I'll be like, oh, no way, I was doing this thing, wasn't I? And then have to be like, okay, 20 minutes, let's just do this and just let's just do it and really like focus on that thing that's right yeah. in front of me and not let, and if those thoughts come up, I just write it down on a notepad. Oh my gosh! Or something. You, you know? are literally my twin. <laughs> I feel like. Wait, we when's your birthday? Our twin, twelfth of October. So you are, you're not a Scorpio, are you? Libra. You just miss it. Yeah. You? I'm Scorpio. Twentieth November. November. Close. Third. Twentieth. Oh, happy birthday! Thank you. How Last was week. it? I'm sick. Oh my gosh, thanks for the invite. <laughs> I'm actually going out on Friday if you want to come. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm just going for a like, chilled one with my mates. Oh, I literally okay. sent a message out today and it's Wednesday and it's on Friday and they're all like, oh mate, I'm busy already. And I'm like, it's oh. cool, don't worry. It's super chill. Just going for like some food and some shisha. Okay. Just oh, nice. Chilled vibes. What were we just saying before the birthday? Because it was... 
Um, I was saying how when I when I get distracted by things, I start to yeah. Note okay, it down twins, just, right? Know. My most common gift I get from friends is notepads because I'm mm. constantly writing lists, and it's like it's almost like an anxiety blocker. Yeah. Because instead of need to do this, need to finish that, flying around my head, oh my god, you didn't text that person back. Like I have to write it down because it's out of my head. Yeah. And once it's out, it's like maybe I can tackle it. To be honest, probably since around age ten, my to-do list has been growing. Yeah. But at least I can see it in front of me. Yeah. I feel like we should both get like, like a a chalkboard. Or I've got a whiteboard in my room. A whiteboard. I've got one. Yeah, I think we both need that. I've got one. I, so I use mine to like break up my week. So, mm-hmm. so I was funny enough because I was saying to Anton just before, like I find that productivity, like to be really productive, all you're doing is trying to solve problems before they happen. So like I've got a, ch- I've got like checklists on my phone for everything. Mm-hmm. So like when I come to record a podcast, I've got a checklist of all the stuff I need to bring. So before I leave the house, I quickly look at my list and say, got that, got that, got Aww. that, got that, got that. And I, I even used to have a list of stuff that Anton needed to bring as well, just to make sure he had it all. And I just like, everything is like listed up or it's like just a way to make that process a bit easier for mm-hmm. me. And my whiteboard, I basically, I, break, I, I split into six sections. So it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday are like one thing. And on a normally on a Sunday, I'll sit down and I'll go over everything I need to do that week. So it might mm-hmm. be confirm an interview. It might be, the actual recording the editing the emails I need to send the research I need to do the podcast I need to listen to the you know whatever and I'll write it all in one massive list and then I'll break it up across the week so I'll mm-hmm. go okay Monday I'm at home I'm working from home I can get the editing done because that's the biggest chunk of time I can also confirm the interview for Wednesday for and then I'll just break up every task across the week so when yeah. it comes to Thursday all I do is I look at my list and go, okay, I've got to do these four things and I can get them done. Mm-hmm. So it's all like pre... Have you ever read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... No. F? No. Um, but it's on, my, it's on my very long book list. <laughs> this book really, really helped me a lot. Mm. Before I read this, I read it in January and in Goa. And I would say that's the last time I had a really... I guess like, I'm trying to say this diplomatically, but like my last big low was in January and I read this book and I'm not one of those people that's like self-help books. Yeah. Mm. Like I'm, I just think read fiction, read nonfiction, you know, like there are so many different ways of coping with life, but I just found this book came to me because someone got it for my dad. And then I was like, for Christmas and I was yeah. reading his and I was like, I'm going to get myself this. this yeah. Cause it's just really funny. And like when you said about you stop, you prevent problems before they become problems. This book is basically saying that life is filled with problems and yeah. hardships and suffering. And that is normal. And that is actually meant to happen. Yeah, of course. And just like understanding that notion took me out of my own ego that was like, Oh, why is it happening to me? Or, you know, because our ego will convince us the world is against us and it's, oh, we're the we're going through so much, but actually everyone is going through something. Mm. And it's all about how fixing problems is happiness, not the pursuit of happiness yeah. itself. Yeah. So when you said about you preventing problems, I was like, oh, you're, you're kind of doing it naturally yeah. without having read the book. Yeah, because it's like, that's what, 
brings on anxiety for me. It's not the only thing. That's like one of the things that will, no, it won't, it will, it will start the process of anxiety kicking in. It's mm-hmm. when I feel like I've got too many things to do. Yeah. And then I'll get really like, oh, and yeah, then I'll start same. worrying about, I have the fear of the unknown. So I kind of need to keep stuff as organ. It sounds really like a little bit, you know, like a bit too keen, but like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, I do have to keep stuff organized so yeah. that I know that stuff is, there and I I don't then have to worry about it until I have to get to do it mm-hmm. so but that being said I'm also like a totally go of the flow kind of person it's like you know I've been for example researching even though I know you fairly well but like researching <laughs> you and like your songs and your lyrics and you know doing stuff but it's like we haven't spoken about any of the stuff that I'd have read. <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> we, yeah so it's just like I'm, I'm of, of like also totally going with the flow of stuff mm-hmm. so I think it's that having that balance of between like, flow and plan. Yeah, there's like there's a there's a space where it crosses over, mm-hmm. and it's like for me, like I can't go with the flow and record, edit, produce, book guests for a podcast. Like that stuff isn't going to happen if I go with the flow. So I have to make sure that that stuff is in my productivity chart. Yeah, <laughs> but other stuff there, there's so much space for the flow. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I don't have the stuff organized, there's less room for the flow because yeah. the two worlds start to collide too much. Yeah, so. I agree. Yeah. But one of the things I did want to talk about, talking about my list of stuff, <laughs> was, um, so obviously, like I said, I've been f- obviously following your music probably since you first or pretty much soon around when you first started putting it out, like a long time ago. And I've noticed there's like a shift in A, the, t- the kind of the type of music you make, but also like, the topics that you're covering and it feels like there's a lot more you and a lot more kind of like joy in the music that you're making now versus Mm. stuff that you were making but not saying it was bad like it was good still but like it just felt it felt like there was a different energy in it Mm -hmm. and this energy feels a lot more like raw and personal and you and open like has that been a conscious shift for you or is it something that did you just go with the flow of it Oh, <laughs> good segue. <laughs> Loving the segue. Um, this is, I'm going to try and answer this as concisely as possible because I do ramble a bit. That's fine. But, We're here to ramble. we got the time. <laughs> yeah. What are podca- podcasts for? I also can't speak sometimes. It's really annoying. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I always had an obsession with singing and music and like, making chords because of that that piano that was in the house um but growing up in a single parent home with like a mother that was brought up in thailand which is a completely different culture to here (coughs) there were quite a lot of expectations and so even though i had this like burning passion even from like aged seven Mm. i was singing then i didn't necessarily feel like encouraged or given a voice to do it I had the singing voice but it wasn't like oh this is an option for you Mm. um so when I got to college that was the first time I actually sung in public um but I even back then like people would say project your voice more but it always felt like this secret because I didn't kind of want to let my mum down or do something that was seen as wrong. Yeah. Did you almost feel like ashamed of it? I I loved it and the, the positivity overrode, but 
I think I was just a bit, a bit shy. Yeah. Um, and unconfident. So then when I got to uni, I like made a YouTube account and that's when um, the godfather of grime uh, yeah. discovered me. And then that's when music became like, luckily my job. Mm. Um, but that little girl, you know, the inner child that we all have was still there, like with a very loud voice. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are trying to do this? And so the earlier music that I was releasing was definitely from a more vulnerable place. Um, and I think writing from, you know, pain or vulnerability is a great thing, but not having the confidence to carry it mm. is really difficult. So in writing sessions, even, you know, maybe six years ago, I would let other people lead and I wouldn't let my voice be louder because I didn't really believe in yeah, it. Like you wouldn't fully, you wouldn't fully give everything. You'd kind yeah. of hold back. I was that. so scared. Like yeah. I was even saying today in the studio, hence this attire today, that back then, even singing in front of people in the studio, I was like so scared mm. to. So I think the shift that you're feeling now, where I'm more accepting of who I am, I've done the work on, like understanding that the voice in my head that was putting me down isn't my voice you know there's remnants of maybe my mum's voice in there or mm. people that maybe do think who do you think you are trying to like do a creative job and I started to realize my voice was the one that's fought to get here and like the the fun part of me that like is obsessed with music and you know when I hear a harmony and I'm like oh dang girl yeah. like that is sick or um <coughs> I hear a certain chord that just like hits a nerve for me so I think the shift in the music has been the shift in my own confidence as a person and a human being directly correlating with oh actually I think I have got this it should be that chord guys mm. you know like trusting in myself more I think that confidence isn't something taught in school, neither is mental health. I mean, there are definitely, there is progress in that field, yeah. but for me, it wasn't there. So until you really start trusting yourself and that takes a lot of work, some for more for others than for others, yeah. some for more than others, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, then I wasn't able to like find myself as an artist. Yeah. But so now I think I have, and it's a journey that, I think you just keep maintaining. It's not like, oh, I've, wow, I found myself. Now I can just run off into the sunset and never work hard again. Yeah. It's just like maintaining yeah. that. So how, what, what are the things that you did then to kind of like step into that? Like what the, what's the work that you had to do behind the music and the writing and the singing on yourself to almost unlock that confidence in yourself? One thing that I have never not had is a hard work ethic. Um, I think because a there's that passion that like it's almost something you can't describe it's just in you like for you it's talking to people and healing people mm. and you know teaching people about mental health and for me it's it's getting to share my story and move people the way that whatever that story was moved me so I think it was because of the hard work ethic, I never gave up. I got to a point where I really nearly did. And it was like breaking through that final wall, 
almost like you've got nothing left to lose now. Mm. And I fell straight back in love with music because I'd fallen out of love with it because, you know, there's only so many times you can be told, no, that song's not good enough. Like that you're just like, oh, you yeah. just can't do this anymore. So I think just really saying to yourself, sometimes the journey takes you left. Sometimes it takes you right. Sometimes you feel like you're moving backwards, but you just have to stay on it. As long as there's movement, it's good. Yeah, and sometimes you might mm. stall, but you don't stop trying. Mm. Like that would be probably the only advice I would give to my younger self yeah. and to anyone else. Like if you've got, finding out, Will Smith said this once, finding out what your purpose is and your passion is, is the hardest part. Yeah. Once you've found that, you just keep going. Yeah, and I, f I find that, and it's funny because I didn't want to put the words in your mouth of like falling out of love of music. Yeah. But that's kind of what I was alluding to is mm -hmm. I, felt, I felt like you got to a stage where I, there wasn't a sense of the love of the music. Mm -hmm. But only because I guess maybe because I, I know you personally as well, I yeah. could sense that and knowing how you are as a person. And as you said, energy, you can feel when someone's in their element. Yeah. Like if you, for example, Prince had 30 plus albums. I'm sure his diehard, mm. diehard fans would know, wow, he was really feeling it in this one, you know? Mm. And maybe, oh, this was different. Yeah. So, yeah. Is there also a pressure though of like coming up in the music industry and seeing other people doing well to like try and not just match the the success and in inverted commas, mm -hmm. but match the kind of the trends within music, like the type of music and the type of sound? Um, I think that something I'm learning now is that we're all the same. Mm. And we all feel jealousy and we all feel um, worried that what if we're not doing it right? And these are all human feelings. So I think I've, I got to a place where very recently where I was like, I'm only playing myself if mm. I feed into those. So if you hear, you know, a massive new genre, there might be that voice in your head like I'm, I'm not doing that how, how will I be heard but then it's just about quietening that voice and you know I don't I'm aware I'm not Beyonce like yeah. I know I've got a lot further to go but I think just realizing we're all we're all winging it we're mm. all challenged by things and we're all sometimes we might feel like is my way the wrong way but for me like I know that the only thing that will work for me is if my gut agrees. Yeah. So if my gut was feeling this new beat that was a genre I hadn't done, cool. But if it's not, then yeah. it's not right for me. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm such a like energy vibe kind of person. Like if I don't personally feel that vibe yeah. with something, I find it really hard to do. And it's like, even with the podcast, it's like, I'll listen to other podcasts I'll, or I'll see how other people are building yeah. theirs up and their audience or the type of video they're making or putting out or whatever and there's a part of me that's like oh man you should be doing it that way like you should be yeah. doing that because that works so much better or you should you should structure your interviews more mm. to like be more whatever but it's like i i can't do that i don't enjoy that because i feel like i'm i'm not in the moment and going with the flow of it i feel like i'm trying to force something that isn't natural yeah whereas when i've started to like and people who have been listening for a while will know that the the, the shape of the interviews has changed Mm -hmm. probably more so this year in terms of like just having a good conversation it mm -hmm. doesn't matter like 
like we could we could sit here for an hour and talk about everything but music but it would still be a really good conversation yeah and to me that's that's what matters because it means we were both in that conversation making present. it good and being present yeah. whereas if i'm trying to force in angles about music and trying to just keep it on the music vibe or whatever trying to force stuff in it it becomes a bit more unnatural yeah so i just now let a conversation flow because to me it's more i feel more comfortable in that like i don't really get nervous before an interview unless it was like will smith i probably would be but like, <laughs> do you know what i mean it's me like <laughs> i don't yeah. get i don't feel the nerves anymore because i'm just comfortable in mm. letting the conversation go whereas before i was like i'd have my phone with like questions written down and i'd be looking at it and like yeah. okay i need to ask this question next and then and i'm not in the conversation yeah for sure do you know what i mean yeah Which but ratings crazy. to you because there are givers and there are people that aren't necessarily giving and mm. i think as the leader of a conversation like if someone isn't giving much you really have to be quite a personable person to deal with that i i fully rate radio presenters mm. because you never know what you're gonna get and like i've i've watched interviews where i can see it's probably quite challenging, but they just pick that mood up. And I feel like it's similar, even though this isn't a radio show, it's like, this is your yeah. conversation. And like, I could literally be like, not really yeah. interested, Al. Yeah. But you know what though? It, it, as much as it is, my obviously I, I host it. Like I see it as it's the guest conversation. Okay. So I take it to- You're such a good human, aren't you? <laughs> I try to be, I, I put it to them. So it's like, this is your space now to talk about the things that you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And that's where the conversation flows naturally. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, then that maybe takes the pressure off of you because you're like, well, yeah, it does. This is their time. Yeah. And then I feel more, I do less of the talking. Like I, I listen to some podcasts and I'm not saying it's right or wrong where the host does as much talking as the guest, mm -hmm. which is fine as well because it works for them. Yeah. But for me, it's like, I prefer not to talk. So I just ask a question and let you ramble on. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, and it works. So... <laughs> but yeah on that so yeah the what was I gonna so yeah so I wanted to discuss so on the music tip yes. <laughs> forcing the music conversation now. <laughs> like because what we were talking about before about being more confident in yourself to then create the music and stuff obviously been listening to your album this week to kind of get me in the mood for like a type of conversation and you said at the very beginning that you were in a vulnerable space making music mm. but I almost feel like listening to that that was almost a very vulnerable album because yes. it's called Lessons in Love mm -hmm. and it's literally all about the hardships and with the good stuff as well to do with being in love and relationships and everything that kind of comes with it. Like, because mm -hmm. to me, I'm like, I kind of understand like being able to write about that stuff, but also there's a little bit of me that's like, oh, talking about love, like it's a bit, <laughs> that's a bit personal. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But I feel like you've, put a lot out there because you felt confident you had that confidence to be like to share yeah to share stuff do you know what I mean it's like how do you get yourself into that space when you're writing like is there do you have like a zone that you get yourself into when you're writing or is it do you just like write stuff down as stuff comes to you like what's the kind of process behind that I think the difference between what I described earlier is that I was not only writing I can write from a vulnerable place now, mm. but I've got the guts to stand by it and release it and be like, I believe in that. Whereas back then I was also releasing it vulnerably. Mm. Like I just didn't know 
that dreaded question we all ask, am I good enough? You know, it was like that. Whereas now it's like, if it's the truth for me, how can that not be good enough? Mm. Because it's real. But also if it's the truth for you, there's mm. likelihood that it's going to be the truth for someone else as well. Like yeah. someone will resonate with that more. Yeah. It was like the more I trusted in myself, the deeper I was willing to dive into yeah. the personal, the yeah. autobiographical. Um, so you asked about the process, right? Yeah. Um, so obviously some of the songs are older than others on the album, but my writing process is similar um, across each song, which is kind of similar to you and how you are trying to be each day. I have to be, I get into this present mode. Mm. You can't always find it. I don't know if you're familiar with um, the woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. She did a TED talk. No. I have to send it to you. She talks about how we can neither take too much credit for our art nor can we blame ourselves when we don't make good art. Mm. And she's basically saying some days, you know, the genius will turn up. Um, you know, some days Shakespeare wrote Romeo and Juliet, other days he might have written something that never came out because it was awful. Mm. And so she says, oh, it's your job to show up. And if it happens, great. And if it doesn't, don't be too hard on yourself. Because basically people were saying to her, oh, how are you going to top eat, pray, love, yeah. babe? <laughs> First of all, who asks that? And secondly, like, yeah, yeah. Um, that must have been a, a challenging or daunting feeling. So for me, like, obviously I'll go to the studio. Sometimes I write on my own at home, just the, the piano. And I just try to find that flow, like mm. what we were talking about earlier. And if nothing has happened or nothing has like affected me, normally nothing gets written because I'm a feels writer, like, things that have happened to friends, uh, things that have happened to family members, relationship problems that I've had in my family, obviously relationships with guys that haven't gone right has gone into my writing too. Um, and yeah, just feeding off of that real emotion, the way that that situation has affected me is what writes my music. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And did you learn anything about yourself whilst writing? some of the tracks or the album itself or each track is is a lesson for yeah. me so track one um is called lessons and that was my um what's that word when you don't want to do something it's on the tip of my tongue when you don't want to do it you reluctant uh, right it was yeah. my reluctance to fall in love again because i've managed to attract very similar energies which has mm. has been quite toxic um and it's it's a love that i have to chase and so with with the new relationship that i had found myself embarking on i was like whoa i'm too scared for this to happen so that was about the apprehension of love and song two uh leo bear about my nephew you came to the screening yeah is about unconditional love. And, you know, I joke about it in my, in my live show. I'm like, he's the one guy that hasn't let me down. But <laughs> that was a song that was pure joy, like just pure innocence. And like, finally feeling this, this take a bullet love. Like I've never had a little baby in my, I hadn't up to this point, had a little 
like youngster and he was just he just changed my world really um pulling away was about like a what's the word it was a betrayal mm. so it was like no matter how much I was trying to forgive like I couldn't quite get there so I was always like pulling away from this person so anyway my point is like I can't even remember what you asked me now but each track is a lesson and what was your question what you learned about yourself <laughs> you learn anything learned, new yeah. about yourself so I learned that um I was often running into um relationship wise or not even just loving relationships like friendship as well into these toxic situations and I really learned from the album that my greatest lesson in love so far you know once all 12 were ready and I was like wow what what does this say about me was even though there's pain on the album even though there's examples of like really really sad times that I've had the greatest lesson is learning to love myself mm. and it was almost like the therapy of writing that album along with the fact that I was able to celebrate these songs even the sad ones is what helped me on my journey to be like look you are who you are you can't change that you have to kind of learn to accept that in order to move on and mm. at every single show in America I was like this is my invitation for you to love yourself and you to be on your journeys of self-love. So yeah, I think what I learned about myself is I've been through some stuff as we all have, Yeah. but I'm able to be like, cool, that's part of me, wear it as a badge of honor Yeah. and um, look after myself. Yeah, I think that's super important because I'm kind of like in a, in a phase at the minute where, so I haven't had like a serious relationship for like six years. It's okay. a long time, right? Because A, I've kind of chosen not to because I, I spent at least three, four of those years putting in work on myself because I had yeah. to. Because at the time where I broke up with my ex-girlfriend, I was I was in the worst place I'd ever been in my life. Not because of that. Like I was in that place during the relationship, which mm -hmm. is part of the reason why we broke up. So I had to put the work in to on the self-love side to build my... And basically the whole journey I've gone on through the podcast and through everything. And now I'm in a place where like my, I feel like my self-love level is really high, but I've got that reluctance to yeah. fall in love because I know that I'm the kind of person that I fear I might lose myself in someone. Mm -hmm. And I've got so many wow. amazing positive things going on, but not but like losing myself in someone in a good way, but it can also be a bad way Yeah, because I have got so many amazing positive things going on that I, I, I feel like, I fear that if I throw myself in love with someone or in that place, like a lot of that will slide away, even though I don't want it to. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, I don't know if I'm quite articulating that well enough, but I'm kind of in a, in a position where this year, having met someone who, and we're not like together in a relationship mm -hmm. by any means, like, we're like just we're like really good friends, but like it's the first person I've met since my ex six years ago, where I felt like, I felt genuine love for another person again. Yeah. And I don't mean that in like, oh my God, I was in love with you. But I felt like I, I, it was the most open I've felt around a person in that way. Yeah. And there was something really interesting in that because then the reluctancy came in of like, the guard went straight up. Like, 
oh my god like you can't feel like this mm. like what's this like you can't you can't be doing that yeah and then it's trying to like i've been trying to like work on that like not having that guard up and just yeah. letting the love flow and it's like if it if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't and it's like she lives <laughs> like the other side of the atlantic which is you know part of the reason why we're not anything formal yeah. but when we chat it's always good vibes good energy and it's always like and she's a total like <laughs> she's more of an extreme than me with like the whole living in the present and like yeah. do you know what i mean so and she's got like loads of her own projects going on so we're kind of very similar but very different and it's like I just feel like for me, I haven't had that feeling for a while and I got really scared by mm -hmm. it, which was, I thought was quite interesting. And like I was saying to you before, even when we're together and I've like been to go visit her a couple of times in, in Canada, like I don't, there's something that still holds me back and I don't fully let myself enjoy the moment. Yeah, I'm still like holding myself back and worrying about, I don't know, just, just I, there's something there that's like holding on and I feel she's the same. Okay, I yeah. feel the same thing from her. She like holds herself back yeah. a little bit, which is quite interesting. So, and that, that sounds really awful when you explain it like that, but it's, it is nothing but love between us. Mm -hmm. But there's, there is something that's like, there is that reluctancy, which is quite interesting that you said that about that song. When you were telling me about your schedule, yeah. I, I did think to myself, where's the room for the love yeah. interest? Yeah. And I think we're so scared to break our routines because it's what, helps us feel sane yeah. and in control. Yeah. The problem that scientists face is they can't explain love mm. because we're not in control and we can't plan anything. Mm. I think the only thing that you can count on is your gut. Yeah. Um, like my gut has told me you're getting in too deep. You need to chill out. Yeah. And it's always been right. But once it starts, once you start falling, you really can't help it. Yeah. So I understand your reluctance, but I do think that your gut will guide you. Like, yeah. will there be a time when it can work when she is here or you're there or yeah. an opportunity? Yeah. And that's, but, but that's also like, when neither of us are trying to force anything at yeah. the same time, you know? So it's like, I, and I'm fully more emotionally available just in general as a person than she is mm -hmm. and I don't mean that in a bad way yeah like because she's literally one of the most amazing people I've ever met but it's like I'm more the type of person to be like oh my god like, I'm so happy to have you in my life like I'll just send that message because yeah. I'll be thinking about it and I'll I'll wake up full of love and I'll just send that message so it's like I allow myself to like put stuff out yeah. there but also like there's a little bit of me that still holds back and it's like this is a really scary place like do you really want to be here like yeah and then it's like, you know, you can't, you can't overthink it. Mm -hmm. And it's what I do with everything. I overthink everything. Same. Hence, hence the planning and the charts and the <laughs> yeah. stop the overthinking. But what I was, what I actually was going to say as well is that, you know, it's like, I, and I was saying to you before we started recording is that I, I've got this pattern of like, I'll meet someone and like so even though I've been single like formally single for like six years obviously I've had like a few like on and off like seeing other mm -hmm. people type things but my pat normal pattern is, is I'll meet someone I'll be super interested from the get-go and then something will happen within like four weeks to six weeks and I'll just be like no I'm not interested anymore mm -hmm. I just get like like cold feet not even cold feet I just get like just something doesn't feel right or yeah. I make myself like something doesn't feel right 
and then I would just like park it I park the whole situation yeah and then it's like cool and then the next one can't and it's like the same process and it's always like a two-month window yeah but this has been like a six to seven month window and mm-hmm. I'm still like in still in do you know what I mean so which is quite interesting and maybe it's because of the distance and we don't really speak loads and lo- it's not like we're speaking every day or like we can't hang out all the time yeah so there is a bit more of a you have to build up the love mm-hmm. rather than like falling straight into it yeah which is quite interesting I think the whole notion of falling in mm. is flawed because it sounds bad and someone that is very um wise and a pretty cool guy is rob who taught me this he was Mm. like why do we fall in love why don't we stand in love why does why does it have to be this vulnerable oh (laughs) what's happened to me thing like um and it is because we naturally want to control everything and we want to know what tomorrow brings and what the next day brings but becoming comfortable with the uncertainty of life is probably the biggest goal for everyone because we don't know and I think love is one of those things that you can't like you can't help but wanting to hear from that person and like if you spent for you the last six years not relying on anyone you know not having anyone to answer to it's a bit of a weird prospect to think oh my gosh I might be there again one day yeah but I have to say that I don't think anything beats that person that you can cuddle. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's part of it though. It's like yeah. that sometimes it's like that's all you want is you do it's not yeah. even about it's not even about like the sex or you know, like all of the typical good stuff within mm-hmm. a relationship. It's actually just having the intimacy of like... Oh, uh, like morning cuddles. Yeah. I'm done. That is everything. Yeah. I think women don't, like generally, don't crave sex as much as guys. Mm. Um, and the intimacy is like definitely our fave. <laughs> yeah. I can't speak for like the whole nation, but... Yeah. Um, it's something about that person that is there that you can talk to. Yeah. That has your back. Like, of course you have that with friends, but you don't cuddle your friends it's in different, bed. It's different, yeah. But I know, I'm also, I'm like quite, I think I'm quite like, um, what's the word? Like, I can be quite intense with my passion mm. in, in a sense of like, if I do have that intimacy with someone, I like, I just want to like hug them all the time yeah, yeah, or yeah. like, you know just sneak up and like give a kiss on the cheek or like just do you know what I mean I feel like <laughs> no, do, so no, but do you know what I mean it's just like I like I like those things more yeah. than like the actual what we see a relationship as being and yeah. obviously like the vibe has to be good that's like the most important thing but like yeah. those moments are really like special it's, it's very interesting that the one person in six years that has lasted for a connection longer than two months lives that far away I know and and part of me thinks like is it because it's almost like I can't have it yeah like th- that feeling Not, and I don't mean it as in her by it too. you're protected yeah. by that distance yeah whereas you've created a distance with the other people yeah. you've met yourself yeah by being really, like bye <laughs> but I find like I'm just learning so much about myself like even yeah. when we're together or have been together it's like I find a lot of 
the feeling that you have within yourself comes down to expectation on the other person. So it'd be like, if I'm lying there in bed, for example, and I'm like, part of me is just like, oh yeah, I just want her to like roll over and like hug me. Mm -hmm. And then she doesn't do it. Like I'll get annoyed. No, I won't get annoyed, but like in a situation you could get annoyed by that. Mm -hmm. But it's just because you're, you've put the expectation of you wanting them to do that without that necessarily being their expectation of that situation. Mm -hmm. So you've created something in your head to make you unhappy. Do you know what I mean? It's almost yeah. like, um, what's the word? Self, um, self-sabotaging yeah. like a situation. And I feel like that's what I, I started to do in my head mm -hmm. when we've been together. It's like, I've started to self-sabotage to be like, no, this is, no, this isn't right. This isn't right. But then I'm like, no, chill, man. Just like, just be here. Just be like in this moment. Just enjoy. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. mad. I react to any sort of like argument with when I love someone, I react by pushing them away always. Mm. It's almost like at least if I pushed them away, I was in control of losing them. Yeah. We're all human, like this is very natural. Yeah. And and we need to not have expectations, but we're trained to have them from yeah. young. We're trained to expect a house, expect a car, expect a great job. Like, well, if we're luckily born in the first world, which you and me exactly, were. Exactly, yeah. Um, and like, yeah. I yeah. think it's interesting that most of us are trying to unlearn so much that we learn, whether it's from a parent, a breakdown in our parents' relationships, a breakdown in any relationship in our family that we might have seen, like not getting on with people in school or not knowing where we fit, like so many things that we learn and taught in the media and like even taught in school. We're just unlearning so much and mm. almost becoming less of the identity we feel we felt so comfortable like we felt more comfortable embodying mm. and realizing hang on nah <laughs> i'm just a part of this earth i'm a grain of sand and i need to see this earth and try and save it before it before it goes not be some hot shot like yeah which is why the juxtaposition of being an artist is mad because yes i'm on stage being like, hey, but then <laughs> I'm actually not an attention seeking person. Yeah. You know, it's maybe we're all contradictions because I've got Instagram. I'm like, hey, buy this song, um, come to this show. Oh, doing this. But a big part of me is like, why, why do I think anyone, why should anyone care about this? Mm. You know, it's, it's interesting how complex we all are. Mm. What what's been your biggest unlearnings? You've got really good questions. <laughs> um, some of my biggest unlearnings have been um, that I am enough because mm. I've never felt like I am, and I know that's an egoic thought, but it still nonetheless is a eating away at you thought um, that being present and 
not worrying. I mean, I still worry so much, but not worrying about tomorrow so much is really important. Um, I think like I had quite a strict upbringing, so I've learned actually we're all our own entities mm. and we need to live as long as it doesn't harm others, how we want to live. Um, and that I was never going to be happy by running away from figuring out, like, what am I about? Mm. You kind of have to run towards it a million miles per hour, even when you hate it. I don't mm. know if that's the right answers, but I think, that, I mean, that's what's just come into my head. Yeah. I think that's powerful because I think there is a lot of like and to be honest I get so confused with like interviews that I've done and conversations I've had and other podcasts I've listened to but I heard something or said something or was chatting to someone <laughs> the other day about leaning into that uncomfort yeah like when you feel the uncomfort of something you have to lean into it to get comfortable with it so that mm. you can you can then better yourself off the back of it yeah and I feel like part of like the stuff that you were just saying there is leaning into the I am enough. Like it, when you're saying you're, to yourself you're not enough, you have to like lean into that to be like, but why am I not enough? Mm. To understand why you are enough. Yeah. If that makes sense. And that's like always how I break everything down is like trying to, part of, or part of being present is like no matter what the situation is, no matter like what you're feeling good or bad is like, you should feel comfortable in that situation because the the more you can become comfortable in that situation, the quicker the next moment and the next feeling will come along. Because if you get yourself caught up in that negative situation or feeling, for example, you then just create more negativity around it mm. and you end up in that spiral of like, this is bad, that's bad. Like, you know that overthinking that yeah over feeling the over everything instead of just being like okay it's cool like i'm angry right now i'm hurt right now i'm sad right now mm. that's fine because it's a temporary situation it's just so leaning pass. into it is identifying it rather yeah, than being stuck in it yeah it's becoming comfortable with it it's the it's the thing of um it's the quick the quicksand analogy of like if you're in, stuck in quicksand, they say don't move about because yeah. you just you make it worse, and that's what we do when we're in a in a negative mindset. Mm. We just we're moving about. It's so hard to try and get out of it that we're actually just sinking deeper into it. Yeah. Whereas if you just like lean in into it, it's not the right. Um, Have you read A New Earth? Yeah. Yeah. Eckhart Tolle yeah. says, yeah. identify like say what it is, and yeah. then you're immediately detached from yeah it. Yeah. I'm I'm really depressed right now. You're already not the ego talking you're the true self yeah. like i am depressed means you're not lost in depression yeah. you've identified what it is yeah. you're like cool i need to get a handle of this yeah. you know so. another really good way of putting it is like to say using the same example is like instead of saying like i i have depression i am depressed right now is being like depression is present right now right. because you you separate it you take From being you take you. the i out of it the yeah. you out of it and you you make it a separate thing mm. and you, you identify with it as a, as a separate thing. Yeah. Which is, again, it's kind of like, yeah, in a way it's like identifying it and recognizing it so that you can then accept that that's what it is mm -hmm. so that you can then move on with it. Yeah. Which is super important. So you, earlier you mentioned something that like you would give advice to your younger self about. Yeah. What, I can't remember exactly what it was, but what would be three things that you, if we could go back in time, 
and speak to a younger Sinead. Mm-hmm. Like what would be three things that you could, three bits of advice you'd give yourself to start doing from that moment? Um, I would say stop worrying. I still worry a lot and I still sometimes feel like if I could chase, if I could run as fast as my thoughts, I would definitely be Usain um, or faster. But I would say stop worrying. Um, Please learn to trust yourself quicker. Mm. Um, You are the only thing that's going to set you apart. And you are only in competition with your previous self. And I would say, please love yourself um, and stop adopting the way that you learnt to love as the only way you can. Oh, like that. That's powerful. <laughs> That's powerful. I like that. Like what? 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 What makes you think that? Want to say that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I seem to know a lot of like gurus, but this guy, (laughs) Alain de Botton, he does the School of Life um, on YouTube. And one of his uh, videos on why we pick difficult partners explains that how we learn to love like as children dictates how we pick our partners Mm. like in in adult life and I just I I watched this and I realized I grew up without my dad um he lived in Australia my parents were divorced my mum has had a really really difficult life um you know she's from Thailand and she was one of eight and it's Mm. just like it's a whole different world then she moved here to kind of make a life for herself and stuff so because of that she couldn't be around a lot and you know she had to work and and stuff to bring us up so my version of love from young was that life is hard and that kind of indulging in love wasn't something we could do it wasn't like read bedtime stories and like I don't know, like actually get to spend quality time together. So mm. it was quite a, and also I think like East Asians can, they they are quite hardened. Like, I don't know if you know much about like the Vietnam war and stuff and like they've been through a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so I do believe that this is within our blood, you know, even how we were talking about the fact we're not eating meat, like yeah. how these animals are treated. If we're then eating that similarly, if our ancestors were treated badly, remnants of that is Bring in our in. blood. So yeah. I feel like this is a very long answer, but how I learned to love was quite tricky and, and it wasn't this, this warm fuzzy thing to indulge in which is what most people face you know Mm. even if they had a perfect 2.4 children there's going to be problems in their family somewhere and what we learn from that you know I definitely think that I went for unavailable guys which a lot of girls do but like it was because I wasn't used to this warm fuzzy oh let's cuddle all the time thing Mm. so um the reason that I chose that is to say 
you can change that. Mm. You don't have to be a product of your experiences or your hardships. You actually take from them. You take the best parts of it. Like I think I'm quite a compassionate person because of things that, that I was taught and that's nice. But I also might have been quite a cold person and I've yeah. tried to, to change that and let people in more. So that's why, because I think we mustn't believe we are defined by anything yeah anything really like Sorry to put words how can in you mouth, define but... anything that plant is green to us but mm. it might not be to an alien in saturn yeah. <laughs> so like yeah just we aren't defined by anything yeah. don't we, get me started on the we're ever stuff. evolving yeah. on what on the philosophy stuff I okay say, no we'll I'd, be here I'd, till I'd, I would say midnight. what is green <laughs> um but yeah, no, I, t I totally agree. I think there's a level of acceptance and I don't mean it in a bad way. I think there's a level of acceptance with your feelings. Yeah. Like it's fine to feel either way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's about learning and 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 evolving through accepting. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to say as well, like there were, there are and were incredible role models around me, some newer than others. Um, and that I never mean to sound too woeful I just mm. I like to be honest because when I was an artist I had this like sorry when I was a young girl and I was looking at artists I had this like bubble wrapped image of like oh Whitney just is really happy and like she had really supportive parents so I can't ever be yeah. and actually I've watched the documentary yeah like most of us are healing like vulnerable characters and it's okay for us to share that and be honest about it because we all are striving for something and I just think when we when we're trained to believe like if you don't have this then you're not going to get that then mm. it's just like I think if I knew what I know if I was a younger me and I knew the future I'd be like oh it's okay like yeah. this isn't meant to be easy I don't think anything worth having is no definitely not definitely agree with that so I got Final two questions, which are questions I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. First one is, um, obviously, Dreamer's Disease is the name of the podcast. Mm -hmm. What would your definition of Dreamer's Disease be? Like the phrase, not the podcast. My definition of Dreamer's Disease would be, I don't think this is going to be right. There's no would, right or wrong. It would be Dreamer's are both blessed and cursed they never give up but they never stop trying to get more so the disease of being a dreamer is a real thing yeah sick i like that that's, that's good that's a good i like that because it's always such different answers yeah it's just goes to like the, i like it because it's so nice to see how just two words can have so many different connotations and how mm -hmm. many how other people can just have their own understanding of it which yeah is super interesting um, and then the final question is what does happiness mean to you i've been asked this before and my answer shocked me because it was really cute um happiness to me is unconditional love um and just knowing that the person or people that I love are alive. Mm. 
That is cute. <laughs> but Brad- yeah. Bradley Cooper got asked this on one of his like actor studio yeah. interviews, and he said, um, "Hearing the person I love breathing," and I was like, "Oh, that's a bar, that a, fam. That You're gonna get one. that girl with that." That is a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. Um, but yeah, um, before we sign out, can you let people know where they can keep up to date with you online? and where they can get the album and anything else you want to kind of shout about yeah so thanks for listening to my rambles i am Sinead harnett and my album and all of the up-to-date dramas of my career um are found on all socials instagram twitter facebook uh spotify Apple Music, all under Sinead Harnett. Yeah, so I'll link it all up in the show notes as well. Thanks. Um, but yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this. It's been awesome. Thank you. We did, we did go deep, which is cool. Because when we were chatting before we started recording, I was trying to say so little. So I just wanted to save oh. a lot of the conversation for this. Um, but yeah, appreciate it. So thank appreciate you. you. Thank you, babe. Thank you. So there we have it, guys. That was Sinead's story. I really hope you enjoyed that one. I definitely love that conversation. And listening back, I actually didn't realize how much we spoke about love, but it's really, really good to sort of dive in and have those conversations because they're a bit of a rarity in life, to be honest. So it was quite nice to kind of have that on on here and hit, let, let you guys kind of hear a bit more about both of us and our kind of experiences. And I always feel like sharing is one of the most powerful ways to inspire people. So really glad that we could have that conversation. And if there's someone you know who you think would really benefit from hearing this episode, then be sure to send it to them. Send them the link or the screenshot. It's really important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and the messages and just get the love out there. You know, it's it's so important for that. Like I said, I started the podcast to help inspire positive change. And you can also be a part of that by sharing the love and sending this and sharing it with someone you know. And as ever, you can connect with me or you can hit me up and ask me questions on my Instagram at I am Alex Manzi. I'm always replying to DMs and comments and questions. So be sure to say hi over there. But thank you for listening and I will see you for the next episode. This podcast is produced by Unedited.